This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And thank you for coming back to the Danny Mac Podcast. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for checking out the show today. If you have not subscribed as of yet, please do me a solid, as the kids have been saying now for about 10 years. I guess they're not kids now. They're millennials. Uh, do me a solid and subscribe. It's, uh, it's only a click away. I would uh, be very grateful. If you would do that. And for the second straight show, I am avoiding the topic of the Bears because they've not done anything since their touchdownless victory over the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll let this week's week 14, their rematch against the Lions from just a couple of weeks ago. We'll let that slide and I'll post you up on Monday after the game because we may have a White Sox team that is no longer the Chicago White Sox very soon. And that's where I want to go with this show today because it is it is the most curious timing from a PR standpoint in Jerry Reinsdorf's 40-year history of being a PR buffoon. Reinsdorf can find a way to turn a championship into a sour mood. He did that what, how many times did you do it with the Bulls? Uh, and granted, there were some other individuals who were largely responsible for that as well. Phil Jackson had his hand in the annual drama over the Bulls. But with the White Sox, it was a lot of kicking and screaming on the way out the door after the 0-5 World Series and Frank Thomas and his war of words with then-general manager Kenny Williams and, of course, Reinsdorf always put himself in the fray and it's never been it's never been easy for the White Sox during Reinsdorf's tenure and he's made it that way let's start with the advent of on TV the brilliant idea of Reinsdorf and uh, co-conspirator Eddie Einhorn to put the second most popular team on pay-per-view in the early 1980s, right out of the chute during their tenure as owners of the White Sox, you got them telling White Sox fans, you got to pay to watch your games. While the Cubs were enjoying the Superstation and the arrival of Ryan Sandberg and Harry Carey in the neighborhood mushrooming and the White Sox wanted money to watch games on television. And then came June 30th of 1988 when Reinsdorf held the Illinois General Assembly hostage and at the 11th hour, State Senator William Maravitz got the bill passed uh, down in Springfield for the Illinois Sports Authority to build what then was called New Comiskey Park. So now Jerry wants to leave. Now Jerry is entertaining offers that he is Nashville bound. And that is the focus of this show today. And I will say it 
without shouting it, there's the door. Do not let us get in your way. What what Reinsdorf is doing this week, think if you can about those awkward days when you were a teenager and you were dating. And it was very difficult to convince a girl she'd be doing the right thing by spending time with you because you had acne and you listened to ACDC music and you were a real meathead. And your idea of being well-read was having the Sports Illustrated consumed before it was, uh, you know, after 24 hours after it hit your mailbox. It was hard to convince women, yeah, I'm for you. So you, you get a woman who is better looking than you because the generosity of women is always incredible and always has amazed me. And for a year, you treat her like crap. You are overserved regularly. You are not kind to her friends. You do not remember her birthday. You behave like a boob. And then at the end of it, you say, I want to see other people. That's what Reinsdorf flirting with Nashville feels like to me. He's ready to see other people on the heels of a season that saw them lose 101 freaking games. Favorites in the American League Central, 61 and 101. And it showed at the gate. And I got news for Jerry Reinsdorf and his band of minions who follow him around and kiss his ring at every turn and tell him he's always doing the right thing. All of the Reinsdorfian yes men, that their timing couldn't be worse on this because if they don't make the move, there is going to be a backlash of, of biblical proportion this year at the gate. I can promise you that. Whatever roster this this. Chris Getz puts together for this season, the White Sox fans are not going to go. They were just flirting with their pushback last year by showing up to the tune of fewer than 1.7 million fans. You know, the White Sox only have been above the 2 million mark once since 2011. 2011 is the last time they were above the 2 million mark. They came close two years ago, and then last year, a precipitous dive down to, I think, 1.67 million or something like that, but it was down. They've really only had one great year in franchise history as a draw, and that was 0-6 on the heels of Ozzie Guillen, 0-5 world champions. That, uh, that team drew 2.9 million fans, almost got to 3 mil, though but it has been on the downslide ever since. And Freddie O'Connell, the mayor in Nashville, and the Music City Baseball Group, which includes former big league chucker Dave Stewart and Tennessee Titans star Eddie George, pushing for a baseball team in Music City, and it's a perfect fit for the White Sox. They're not wanted here. Jerry, nobody wants you here. And all of your guys... You, you've blown your opportunity to regain the trust of even the youngest fans, e even the fans who were 10 years old and wide-eyed as they could be in 05. You have put them off now for, what, 15-plus years, and it's going nowhere fast, and you continue to put, uh, you know, flip your middle finger at a fan base and the prices continue to go up. 
Jerry Reinsdorf and his guys just don't get it how unpopular they are. You can't run a really bad restaurant and then and, and then you know blame the customers, which is essentially what what Reinsdorf has done in recent years. And he's not endeared himself to White Sox fans with many of the things he has said and many of the decisions they have made. He can't get out of his own way. He is a PR nightmare, and he has been for so long. And it's it's unfortunate that this dysfunctional fan base, well, here's here's a hope for me. Uh, I, I remember when the Baltimore Colts in March of 1984 left Baltimore to head for Indianapolis. Then owner Robert Ursay couldn't get a deal done with the city of Baltimore, so he packed up his football team in the middle of the night in Mayflower moving trucks, and they headed to Indianapolis. Selfishly, I was ecstatic. I was going into my senior year at Ball State. I was doing a ton of sports radio what was sports radio at the time. And it meant a very short drive to Anderson, Indiana, to cover head coach Frank Cush in his first uh, training camp as head coach of the Colts, at least in Indianapolis. Uh, Mike Pagel was their opening day quarterback in the uh, 1984 season. But so selfishly, I was excited about it. But that's 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 how this feels to me. Uh, you know, and you should you should get your fans lined up on the Ryan as you make your trek down the Ryan, probably to hit 65 South, full of moving vans, let the White Sox fans line the Bishop Ford <laughs> and line every every artery that you may travel down to wave goodbye and give you the middle finger, Jerry Reinsdorf, because you've earned it. You've been a really, really bad owner in terms of the way you handle public relations. I'll say one good thing about the Reinsdorf administration. Almost every season, the White Sox have done a nice job putting putting time and effort and energy into improving their ballpark. Every, every season, it seems like, they do something cosmetically or or build something, their their bar, which originally I think was called Bacardi at the Park. It's probably had four iterations since then. You know where I'm talking about, um, the area that's closest to where the old ballpark used to be. They do a lot of really cool things with the retired jersey numbers, the way they are in a classy manner. Um, on display, Mark Burley's 56, Canerco's 14, all of the great Sox players. It is a classy-looking building. It's user-friendly. Therein is the Reinsdorf contribution to White Sox fans. He's given us a great place to watch baseball games. And more often than not, a team that underachieves because it has gone by the same philosophy as catch-as-catch-can and find aging sluggers at a bargain basement price and hope your softball team lineup muscles out a division win. Good luck in Nashville. Nashville has earned a professional baseball team. Nashville has really come of age. Since 91, its population has increased. I, I think I read recently close to 80%. There are more than 2 million people 
who live in Nashville. It is a very vibrant downtown area. I've yet to make the trip for Blackhawks Predators. Chicago fans I know who have made that drive say great things about the entire area where they have all their downtown entertainment, lots of hotels, bars, places to go listen to live music, and all of the sports facilities are nearby. They should go somewhere where they are wanted. And this isn't like 1988 when White Sox fans were still feeling the pangs of, of generations of, of unmet expectations. They, they, they got that monkey off their back in 05, and it has been hiccup after hiccup since. They don't deserve your love. They don't deserve your money. They don't deserve your allegiance. You know, I I said this a few years ago of the Bears, and I'll still say it of that football team, and I'll say it of the White Sox as well. If they were a restaurant, you'd never freaking eat there. So why should you watch baseball there? Why should you support the Bears? If, If all they think they can do is slap that logo on laundry or a helmet or at the side of a stadium to get you in there like sheep, then then that's on you. I won't give my money to a bad restaurant. Look, I was very emotional about the Chicago Chop House on Ontario for a number of years. I had so many good memories in there of great meals in the 90s and on into the aughts, and I often took my show there for holiday dinner, the Mac Yurko and Harry Show, ran up big bills, enjoyed the company of, of everybody on the staff there. Johnny Pontarelli, one of the owners, was a great dude, and he ran a great restaurant, and Johnny sold his share of the business. I, I guess it would be about 10, 12 years ago now, and the business has gone downhill terribly, and I tried to eat there again this past spring after an eight-year absence, and I can't do it anymore. I won't support a bad restaurant because of the logo. In this case, the sign hanging out over Ontario. That stylish, vertical Chicago chop house sign and the the three flat and how nice the building looks and, you know, floors of tables on all three floors, including the piano bar downstairs. But I'm not going to overpay for a lousy meal, just like I won't overpay for a White Sox tickets. I didn't go to a game this past year, and I, I, I have no intention of going this coming season. I will not support the product, and I don't blame anybody for seeing feeling the same way I do. You want to say it makes me a bad fan? Fine. You go ahead and you you give your money to that outfit, and that's the best description for it, an outfit. Reinsdorf. The 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 guy who could sully the mood for a, a bride on her wedding day. He's just a big dark cloud over the White Sox, almost his entire tenure, and it's it's too bad that it has come to this. But I I'm fine if the White Sox go. If I find out later today, the White Sox are moving to Nashville, and they're going immediately. I'll shed no tears. I'll have fond memories of some of the guys I got to know in the organization, and there have been some good people who've come through those doors, Kenny Williams included, Ozzie Gee, and I've enjoyed over the years, uh, Ron Kittle, Paul Konerko, Mark Burley, 
to a degree, Frank Thomas, although far be it from me to call anybody moody. Hello, pot, I'm Kettle. You are black. I won't say that about Frank Thomas, but a number of guys I've gotten to know over the years. Ed Farmer uh, was a great dude. Bill Melton, one of my childhood heroes. But even during good times, the White Sox made it hard to, to, to like them and hard to work with them on their flagship in in zero five and we lost the rights to them in zero six they got big money from the score so espn 1000 was happy to to say goodbye to the white Sox. unfortunately invest a lot of money in mac yurko and harry which was money well spent i think um they they were not easy to deal with they we, we would travel before they moved to glendale when training camps were in Mesa for the Cubs before they moved into Sloan Park and they were playing in that dump, Ho-Ho-Com, and that is how it's pronounced all the years you've heard Ho-Ho-Cam. It's Ho-Ho-Com, in case you need to know where the Las Vegas Athletics are training next year unless they move to a better facility than where the A's have been playing. So the White Sox were in Tucson. That's quite a commute. So we go out there to spring training. The Cubs are the more popular team, so we're going to do shows from Cubs camp. Are, are we going to, to spend a lot of time at White Sox camp? No, but we're going to hit it for a day, and we make a, the drive all the way up to the upper reaches of northwest Maricopa County to surprise for a Royals game. So, and and we have a guest who stiffs us. The Sox PR department does nothing about it. With 20 minutes left in our show that we traveled all, all, out of our way to make sure they had representation, they walk Aaron Rowand up to the booth where we were broadcasting and say, you got five minutes. Oh, boy. Thanks. Not that Aaron Rowan was the greatest interview, but to be put on a clock after making all that effort, that's how the White Sox were. They were a pain in the ass to deal with from a PR standpoint. Knowing they were second place, they behaved like children, and the marketing director, Brooks Boyer, reneging on using space in his lots for a station tailgate because one of the hosts made a crack about how few people would show up for a weekend series against the Minnesota Twins. This is 10, 11 years ago. Brooks Boyer crying like a little baby. You guys can't have that area over by gate three. And he, okay, fine. Take away our gate. We're the only show in town that's going to actually have a tailgate and have a party before you're playing the Cubs. And you want to take it away from us because we, you know, there was a joke made about the reality of your poor attendance against your division rivals. They don't know how to play by big boy rules. So they can go to a smaller market that is thirsting for them. And the people in Nashville have shown they are very passionate for their sports franchises. Why wouldn't they be with the Chicago White Sox? 61 and 101 this past season. 1.7 1.7 million, not even 1.7 million fans showed up to see him. Man, to see Luis Robert be the only player Ernest checks this past year. It's week 14 of the NFL season, and I want to remind you to get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same game parlays with the squares icon to earn a square. I was the proud owner of a two-team parlay that cashed on Sunday 
at noon. Thank you, Miami Dolphins, for getting the job done. And I eked out. Oh, did I eke out the other one? Um, and I, I'm struggling to even remember what the other what the other bet was. But oh, it was the Lions. It was the Lions laying four, and they they just got it in for me as they survived a bad second half. How about the total tonight on New England and Pittsburgh of 29 and a half? Man, this NFL can be really bad. Oof. Oof. I, and I think I'll bet the under and just root for punts. When in Rome, right? If you can't have Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and all of the great quarterbacks we've enjoyed over the last 10, 15 years, we can root for punts and sacks. Root for TJ Watt to wreak havoc on the New England Patriots tonight. 29 and a half, our total at Bed Rivers. I'm going to go under and root for lots of punts and sacks and fumbles and no pick sixes. Thank you very much for listening to the Danny Mac podcast. Adam Delavitt runs the show at Bet Rivers. Sam Michael is my executive producer. Also thanking Randy Merkin, Alex Pastor, and Troy Mocker for everything they do for the show. Have a great weekend. Back Monday with more on the Danny Mac podcast. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.